0: This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Good morning, I'm Jim Lang and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. well friend of the show, trainer Mark Cassie, will join us today. And Mark, you could say, has a very busy day ahead, not only saddling Papa Cap in the $1 million grade one Florida Derby at Gulfstream Park, but also the three year old filly Mrs. Barbara in the $250,000 Bourbonette Oaks at Turfway Park in Kentucky. Papa Cap has been a horse that Mark has been very high on since his good showing in the Breeders' Cup juvenile late last year. And today we will find out if he can duplicate the form he showed last November in the Florida Derby, which would certainly help propel the Colt to a possible spot in the kentucky derby which is now just weeks away likewise a good showing by mrs barbara turfway would open up a lot of doors going forward for the three-year-old philly that is owned by woodbine ceo jim lawson shortly we will talk with mark not only about today's stakes races but also how he is preparing for the april 16th yeah that close opening day at woodbine and mark will also talk about the time he spent training some top-notch thoroughbreds for the late great eugene melnick in addition, friend of the show, Acacia Courtney-Clement will join us and as part of the Gulfstream Park handicapping team. Who better to talk more about today's Florida Derby? Shortly, Acacia will not only talk about today's Kentucky Derby prep but re- preview and review the other seven stakes events on the Gulfstream card, which, by the way, has an early post time of 11.30 a.m. Eastern as their championship meet winds down to a close tomorrow. Acacia is known for having a fine eye for the horses as they parade in the paddock and is able to combine this astute skill with an in-depth Knowledge of handicapping, so listen up. Shortly, she will use this knowledge to help sift through the good Gulfstream card today, and it is a good one, especially at the Florida Derby, and perhaps come up with a couple of value plays on today's undercard. Also today, Woodbine Mohawk Park's handicapper Robert Reed Jr. will join us on Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the radio magazine, and once again, Robert will discuss some further handicapping techniques that he utilizes when playing the Mohawk Standard brits Robert will also talk about the upcoming weeks of the Woodbine Mohawk Park Standard brits season, especially. The morning qualifiers where he should and we should see be seeing some new faces qualifying as last year's top two and three year olds return to the track and begin their 2022 season. And finally, well, he's back because Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Mohawk Park and some other North American tracks that are racing today with our much anticipated Ponies Picks of the Day. Sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. So you better get your HPI and dark horse accounts ready to go for some heavy duty action today. When we come back my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news including the news about the death of hockey and horse racing businessman Eugene Melnick. Ponies 24-7 the Radio Magazine. We'll be right back. Ponies
0: 24-7 the Radio Magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocketship racing more from the track when we come back on
2: 105.9 the region go from dark horse to winner Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices.
3: The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hard-working employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government, and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca.
4: Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This
0: is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce to you my co-host, the expert on all things ponies, Larry Simpson, welcome to April, just a few weeks away from the Kentucky Derby. Hello. How are you, Larry? <laughs> I'm doing okay. How about you? Good. Uh, big day today. Uh, I mean, there's so much stuff happening in the thoroughbred world. Uh, the Oaklawn Park with the Arkansas Derby, $1.25 million. And friend of the show, Flo Giroux, on Cyberknife at 8 to 1, and a very competitive field in this race.
5: It's very competitive. It's a short field, but uh, very competitive, and I think it's interesting because the morning line favorite is a horse by the name of Secret Oath, who's actually a filly that Dwayne Lucas has entered in against the boys. Oh. And the other interesting thing is is, uh, Secret Oath's jockey is Luis Contreras, who's a regular jockey at Woodbine. So, uh... You know, if if she does well today, uh, I'm just assuming that uh, uh, Dwayne Lucas would put her into the uh, uh, Kentucky Derby, and Contreras would maybe have a his first Kentucky Derby mount.
1: And while all this is going on, a lot of people looking long and hard at the Florida Derby today at Gulfstream with some amazing horses. Uh, lined up there, including a classic causeway and simplification mm-hmm. uh, at seven and two and five and two. So this is a really tough field as well. And White
5: Barrow's in there as yeah. well. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very competitive field and uh, it's going to be an interesting race. I, I, like there's no Sherlock in, in, in that race at all today.
1: You know, and, and it speaks to, just how hard it is to get your horse to the point where it qualifies for the Kentucky Derby just to get in the Derby is such a challenge now.
5: Well, exactly. Like, and it all starts at the breeding stage, right? Like these guys are are breeding these horses, trying to get a, a classic winner like the Kentucky Derby. And, you know, so much can go wrong. And, uh, you know, the chances of getting there are, are, you know, it's a small percentage, but when you get there, it's great.
1: I know a lot of people were saddened by the passing. Eugene Melnick, only 62. He had battle health problems the last couple of years, well-known in hockey circles because of his involvement with the Ottawa Senators. He also donated $1 million and built a beautiful field turf at St. Michael's College at Bathurst and St. Clair. But what a lot of people don't know is his steep involvement in horse racing.
5: Well, I actually knew... Uh, Eugene uh, years ago because uh, one of the first magazines that I was working on, uh, International Thoroughbred Digest, I had the uh, luxury of uh, interviewing him, and at that time, he was uh, just starting to get involved. He'd always been involved in horse racing. He grew up, as he said, he grew up at Greenwood looking for tickets as a kid on the floor, <laughs> and like like everybody else, like myself, and yeah, like some,
1: I'm looking at someone right now that <laughs> yeah. exactly,
5: but. Uh, <laughs> You know, and then things just uh, progressed from there, and uh, he uh, became a, a, a breeder, an owner, and just, just to kind of give you an idea of, of his background, uh, his horses, as an owner, won 68 graded stakes in North America. Uh, he owned Spitestown, who won the Eclipse Award as champion sprinter, and won the Breeders' Cup Sprint in 2004, Became Spitestown became one of the best uh, stallions ever. He won two legs of the Canadian Triple Crown, uh, the Queen's Plate and the Prince of Wales with a horse by the name of Archer Bay. In 2007, his Sealy Hill was named Canada's 2007 Horse of the Year and was inducted into the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame uh, and was trained by Mark Cassie. And uh, Eugene himself was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2017. But there's an interesting story I remember when I did interview Eugene back in, I think it was about 2000, 2001 in that, that time, and he spoke about how he made this big bet on a horse by the name of Ferdinand in the Kentucky Derby. And Ferdinand, when he won, he paid twenty seven or $37.40 for a $2 bet. Well, Eugene had a huge bet. He emptied his pockets out, he told me, and he, he got over $30,000 that day. So he and I were laughing because I had bet $5 to win on Ferdinand. (laughs) And I thought I did great getting a $37 winner in the Kentucky Derby. So that was kind of the standing joke between us all the time. So
1: I'm glad you brought that up, Larry, because so many people, his name is synonymous with hockey and the Ottawa Senators. And you realize, I mean, that resume, when it comes to horse race, it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And he was big in the junior hockey
5: too. Yes. St. Michael's team. And then they got moved into Mississauga. And then he sold them off to uh, Niagara Falls and... uh, yeah, he was, he was a great man. I, I liked him, got along with him great. And, uh, you know, so, and as you say, he had a great resume. Uh,
1: and you mentioned the aforementioned Mark Cassie, and you had a chance to catch up to Mark Cassie this week to have a great conversation with a lot of stuff going on in his world.
5: Well, friend of the show, Mark Cassie, joins us on what is going to be a very busy day today with his Papa Cap at uh, part of the Florida Derby. And later, he'll be saddling Mrs. Barbara in the $250,000 Bourbon Bourbon at Oaks at Turfway Park. Mark, again, welcome to Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the radio magazine. Uh, thanks for having me, Larry. Well, let's let's get right into it. Uh, I know you were very uh, high on Papa Cap at the uh, beginning of the year, and uh, he's he's had a couple of starts on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Today, he's in the uh, uh, Florida Derby. Uh, what can you tell us about him?
6: Yeah, you know I. Uh you and I have talked about Popcat before and you know I've always been very very high on him and excited and I thought you know his race in the Breeders' Cup was very good um he's he's let me down and I've been disappointed in his two efforts so far this year um both of them in New Orleans at the fairgrounds so we decided uh to pull him out of there and, and go somewhere else he's one for one at Gulfstream um and as good as a, as any horse could, you could ask any horse to train. So, um, but it's still a puzzle. I just don't know why he didn't run better in his last start. So uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed, hoping that it was just a fluke and that he comes back with a big one. It's a, it's a good, solid race. And I think, uh, look, if you deserve to be in the Kentucky Derby, you got to run good here. So, uh, like I said, we're keeping our fingers crossed.
5: Has he trained well up to today, Mark? I would, I would. If you you know, going A B C D, I I'd say the way he trained would be an A plus. Mm-hmm. I like I said, you just couldn't ask a horse to train any better. Right.
6: they still got to show it in the afternoon.
5: Sure, sure. Have you made any changes to him at all, equipment wise, or?
6: No, not really. The only the only change was. I changed racetracks. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say, and I, I'm hoping it makes a difference, he's been very unlucky with um, with his post positions. He seems to always draw the one or, or two, and he always gets pinned down on the inside. Uh, he, he's drawn the five for the Florida Derby, which is nice. There's some speed inside of him. Uh, it looks like to me... Uh, You know, there should be some really good pace. I'm gonna tell Edwin that I want him to get him away from there and get position, and and, um, if if at at all possible, I'd love to see him come around horses. Um, That's the only thing I can say about him. In his last four or five starts, he keeps getting pinned down on the rail, and, and he just doesn't seem to care for that.
5: And and horses they get intimidated don't they when they're down on the inside and there's horses outside of them?
6: Oh absolutely some horses just don't like you know being pinned down on the rail and uh, even I think if you watch the breed, breeder's cup he was kind of hung kind of down on the rail and finally uh, Joe Bravo was able to get him out turn, uh, mid mid stretch and he came running. Uh, the interesting thing about Papa Cap is all of us starts um He usually finishes really well, but um, gallops out extremely strong after the race. and um, he was just flat as could be in New Orleans. No gallop out after the race. He was just, I don't know, he just was seemed tired or maybe I, I, I thought for sure after the way he ran that we would there would, you know we'd find something out either he was sick, you know, fighting a virus of some sort or, or something that happened to him. But he came out of the race perfectly fine.
5: So the, the mile and a quarter distance of the Derby would suit him fine, wouldn't it? You sure would think so, you know, just judging
6: all those races that his last. Um, I always felt, you know, he's like Gunrunner and Gunrunner. It was a horse that got better with age. hmm So I always felt like he was going to get better with age. He's got Scat Daddy down on the bottom side, his grandfire is is Scat Daddy, Um, and um, you know, so I've just always
5: felt like the source would get better. So it it has been disappointing. Okay, well let's uh, talk about Mrs. Barbara, who uh, has been quite a topic on our show here with uh, Jim Lawson being the owner and Jim being on the show quite a few times and a friend of the show. Uh, how is she doing, and how do you think she's going to do in the uh, Bourbon at Oaks today?
6: Um, she's doing very well. Um, I was very pleased with her first start of the year down at Tampa and Oaks. Uh, I thought it was a good race. She finished strong. I would. I think that she's probably a little better horse on the synthetic, so she's going to get back to that today. And um, you know, at Turfway, more than a lot, more so there than a lot of places, you have to have a, a pretty good trip. So we got a great post position, and um, um, uh, just hopefully we break and, and we can get you know a forward position.
5: And that was the problem at Tampa, right? She drew the, the rail, and she couldn't get off the rail.
6: Right. She was, uh, you know, I thought she ran good. I thought Raphael gave her a, a great ride, but definitely was inside, and, and um, you know, and it was her first start in a little while.
5: Yeah, and, and I guess that means a lot, too. She'd been off since, what, October, so uh, she's going to be a lot tighter today, right. isn't she? I would think so, Yeah, yeah. Now, what would be the plans if she races well today? Where where would Mrs. Barber go next? Uh, I would, uh, you know, that's something
6: I'd have to really discuss with Jim. This has been our short term goal. Um, I could see where she would, you know, possibly come back up to Woodbine to run on Tapita. If we don't do that, then we're going to have to, you know, look somewhere where grass. But but I, I. I prefer to keep her on to Peter
5: right now hmm could you see her when you bring her back to Woodbine that you could and she was racing well that you might take a shot at the plate with her well she's a Kentucky bred. So oh, okay well I guess I'll you be wouldn't be do that. yeah I know that's a little a little hard to believe
6: and because being uh, Jim Lawson is the
5: breeder yeah yeah but for some reason I'm not I've never really asked Jim but uh, this the mare was sold in Kentucky so yeah. this is a Kentucky bred so
6: yeah there won't be any queen's plate for her
5: <laughs> okay well talking about Woodbine we're a couple of weeks away from opening day I'm sure you're looking forward to it like Jim Lawson was on the, on the show last week uh, tell me how many how many horses have you got uh, ready to go at, at Woodbine well it,
6: Mm-hmm. Um this you know, Barry, this is pretty well our goal every year and, and, and when we go out, um some place you know, some some trainers look for New York bread, some trainers look for Kentucky bread. We have a you know, a real strong Canadian following following. So it, our our season it is normally geared up for wood buying, so yeah, we're, we're we're ready to get it started so uh, we've had a pretty good year so far and we want to race today at Gulfstream, and um, it's been okay but this is when uh, when normally things get rolling for us
5: okay and and when you get ramped up in that there'll be more than 40 horses obviously right
6: oh sure yeah you just this right now so the early part of the racing season is um, short races Mm-hmm. Because everybody's been off, so we won't bring in a lot of our distance runners until
5: for a little while. Right, they're
6: still out competing. We're uh, we're planning we'll we'll continue to run a golf stream. We will uh, go Kingland Opens first part of April. Um, we have two horses next week in the the uh, Bluegrass. Um, one of them's owned by uh, the Conrads who are from. Close to London, Canada. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, so next, yeah. This week we're in
5: South Florida for the uh, the Derby today, and then next week, Kentucky. Okay. Now, with Woodbine, obviously, you must have something that you've got your eye on for the Queen's Play Day.
6: Eh? Um, we do. We have um, a God of Love who. He had a slight setback; uh, it took him out of the Derby picture, but he's still in the. Um, he still would be in the plate plate um, picture. We have um, a horse called Sir for Sure um, that broke his maiden very impressively down at uh, Gulfstream. That that definitely will enjoy a mile and a quarter. We have um, a couple of horses running Saturday. We have two uh, pretty nice. Canadian bred maidens running in a golf stream that uh, I wouldn't shock me either one of them to step up and possibly be a Queen's Plate horse so we definitely have some prospects yes
5: and the Queen's Plate is always on your agenda isn't it always yes always I haven't
6: been as we haven't been as successful as we would have liked but we have been fortunate we've won won two Queen's Plates with Phillies but um You never can win enough of those, and and we're always gearing for that. It's
5: it's important to us. Okay. Well, I guess changing topics now, uh, Mark. Uh, This week, unfortunately, uh, Eugene Melnick passed away, and I know a lot of our listeners are probably aware of Eugene Melnick through his hockey connections with the Ottawa Senators and that, but he did have some very strong ties in the horse racing business, and... You had a a huge connection with him, correct?
6: I did. I I, I don't know. I I think I probably trained for uh, Eugene longer than anybody. Uh, It was probably in the neighborhood of 10 years. trained for him until he uh, got out of the the business, but um, we were very fortunate to have a lot of nice horses. Um, But the best one was Seely Hill, who was horse of the year, second in the Breeders' Cup. Um, Eugene actually not only did he own her, but he also was the breeder. But, uh, yeah, Eugene was a true sportsman in every, you know, in, in all different aspects of sports. Um, but he loved horse racing as
5: well. And he, he basically grew up in the days like myself at Greenwood, picking up tickets off the floor and, and that. But uh, what was he like to uh, to deal with?
6: Like I said I, I probably trained for him longer than anybody, but uh it was uh, it was uh, it wasn't a picnic at all the time. That's for sure. You know, he
5: was a tough guy, didn't like to lose, and um, but nobody likes to lose, right? Exactly, and and that was evident even in the way he ran his hockey teams. In that, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess wrapping up, uh, Mark, uh, you've got your eye on the Kentucky Derby, hopefully with Papa Cap and good things with uh, Mrs. Barbara, uh, the Queen's Plate uh, with uh, maybe God of Love or one of the other horses. Uh, Any other goals this year?
6: to win the kentucky derby at some point uh i would say our uh our, you know we're, we're uh, we've we've had stronger hands in the past um this this will need uh we'll need some serious racing luck um but i i don't really set goals like that i just the only goals is just uh you know try to do the best we can for all different owners we have you know, some owners that have 20 horses and some owners that have one horse. So we're just always trying to do the best we can no matter where we're at and, um, and, uh, um, you know, try to win it. It doesn't matter. I, I like whether it's a $5,000 claiming race or a $500,000 stake. Uh, we like winning.
5: Well, that's the key to success, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mark, uh, Thanks for doing this. Uh, it's much appreciated. Good luck today, and uh, good luck at uh, Woodbine going forward and, and the rest of the And hopefully you get to the Kentucky Derby.
6: Well, thank you, Larry. And uh, hopefully we can have a conversa- another uh, conversation either right before the Kentucky Derby or right after if we win it.
5: Or maybe I should just clear my schedule for the first Saturday in May so I can be in the winter circle with you, right? <laughs> there you go. You're welcome to come. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks, Mark. All right.
1: When we come back, Acacia Courtney Clement will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing over to your hosts jim lang and larry simpson
1: welcome back to ponies 24 7 the radio magazine friend of the show acacia courtney clement is a top flight handicapper and one of the best there is in north america and currently part of the gulfstream park paddock handicapping team and joins us again today on ponies 24 7 the radio magazine acacia how are you
8: i'm great thanks very much for having me on nice to talk with you guys once again and yeah, you may notice the name change just got married a few weeks ago but happy to be on here and looking forward to the Florida Derby.
1: Now I have to ask you someone who's such a top flight handicapper were you able to steal away during the wedding day and then check some of your picks, or was you just focused on the wedding that day?
8: Uh, you know I, I didn't actually <laughs> I put my phone away and um, gave it to one of my bridesmaids, which was probably the best decision that I made. <laughs> so very much focused on the wedding. Um, but as typical race trackers do, as both me and my husband work in the industry, um, we got married on a Thursday. So we were on a weekday anyway. And then our kind of like post wedding celebration was uh, a day at the races on Saturday afterwards. So we were still very much involved uh, in the Fountain of Youth Day after that, uh, the first Saturday. Um, So that was really exciting to bring all of our friends and family out to the racetrack with us.
1: Larry, that's what I call dedication.
5: That is dedication. (laughs) All right, Acacia, tell us, how did you get involved into the horse racing industry and where you are at uh, Gulfstream Park now?
8: Uh, this is my wrapping up my sixth winter at, at Gulfstream Park, so I've been here quite a while. Um, but they they really gave me a huge opportunity when I first got involved in the industry. And uh, growing up, I rode show horses and did hunter jumper and dressage. So that kind of where my background is and the way I got involved in racing and being involved in race horses was uh, my mom and I, when I was 17, started a nonprofit called Racing for Home for ex-race horses and retraining and rehoming those thoroughbreds. And it's still something today that I'm, I'm heavily involved in and it's a huge part of my life and my family's life. And we're accredited by the Thoroughbred right Aftercare Alliance. It's grown a lot since then, and um, it's certainly a labor of love, but really, really proud of everything we've been able to do.
1: Acacia, Saturday's such a busy and significant day at Gulfstream at 11.30 a.m. post-time. Uh, multiple big races, including the Million Dollar Curlin Florida Derby. Uh, this is really big for Gulfstream.
8: It is. It's always a marquee day of the meet. Of course, we have the Pegasus World Cup, and that's really grown. But I think the history of the Florida Derby and just the significance that it's had in the Triple Crown over the years really holds true. You look at how many horses have won the Florida Derby and have gone on to be successful in those Triple Crown races. So it's um, it's always really exciting because you, you often end up seeing future stars here and and horses really kind of cementing themselves on the Triple Crown Trail in this Florida Derby, not to mention all of the other stakes that we have on the day, 10 stakes total on Saturday.
5: Talk about how you handicap, Acacia. You you just don't look at a racing form and look at the uh, past performances. You also have an eye for the horse's confirmation and how they look in the paddock, Correct.
8: So I'll write any, uh, certainly trip notes for sure, but for me a big thing is the physical notes. And um, I like to hope that that's kind of information that can give me a little bit of an edge because it's something that you don't see just in the past performances. You can watch replays. um, You can look at the breeding. That's all really, really important stuff. But for me being able to see a horse develop from race to race or contrarily, maybe uh, not look as good as the horse did last time, too. I think those are all really important things. So I try to keep track of that. There's a lot happening in that paddock at once prior to the race here at Gulfstream. But it it really can be very helpful when handicapping or even when you're there in the moment and you see a horse and um, maybe have an opinion one way or the other on how he looks physically.
1: Acacia, well, even with your experience and you know abilities as a handicapper and other handicappers, they're looking at some of the horses involved. Like it's a tough race to pick and handicap. There's a lot of talent in this race. There is,
8: which is which is great you know you love to see some of the talented horses go up against one another and you love to see kind of those big matchups but it, it's really exciting you have the both the holy bowl and the fountain of youth winner with white abario and simplification and then classic causeway who they decided to come here on a relatively quick turnaround and run in the florida derby as well and i think that he's been a really exciting horse to follow so it makes it fun it also makes it really interesting as far as how that pace will shake out because at first glance it looks like it could be a relatively hot pace on the front end
5: what about a horse like Charget he's just broke his maiden but he's been incredible hasn't he
8: he has I would say that he's the most impressive maiden winner that I I've seen here this um, winter I actually really liked him first time out too and he had a stable mate for Todd Fletcher in there that was taking most of the early money. And then he kind of very late in the wagering ended up going off the favorite, but I loved what I saw from him. Volcanic for Mark. Cassie was a horse that day who just, had a lot more seasoning, a lot more foundation, had run as a two-year-old and was just slightly better that day. But they put on a show, and then Target came back and just absolutely dominated in his subsequent start. So I think he's supremely talented. He obviously has a huge pedigree, a Mandy Pope homebred, and um, it'll be exciting to see how he stacks up against these. But obviously it's a tall order to go right from a maiden race into the Florida Derby, but in Todd Fletcher we trust, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Speaking with Acacia Courtney Clement who's an outstanding handicapper? you It's a great follow on Twitter. If you're into horse racing, Acacia underscore Clement. Uh, no, I really enjoy your insight and in what you bring to the table on social media when it comes to horse racing. And, and and I think that's part of the thing is that when you have this final weekend and then you're so good at what you do. So what do you do for the next few months leading up to and after the Kentucky Derby?
8: Well, given the companies that I work for, I actually, um, I, I don't cover the Derby. It Itself, but of course, a lot of lead up to it. So, starting next week, I'll be back up in New York, um, back on the America's Day at the races shows. And um, as part of those shows, we do cover Churchill Downs as well. So, a lot of the races, and of course, the excitement leading up to the Derby itself. Um, but looking forward to all of the height for that. But that's the next stop for me is back up to New York.
5: Getting back to your handicapping for a second, uh, Acacia. Do you have a, basically a handicapping angle that you would like to use? Maybe it's a, like a fallback one that if, if you see a, a pretty much of a, you know, well-matched field or that, there, there might be somebody that, you know, fits under that angle.
8: Uh, I think for the most part at Gulfstream Park, the biggest angle for me is trying to figure out the pace. If I see a horse that looks like he's going to be the lone speed or perhaps the speed of the speed, I think that's always something that's going to pique my interest. Um, I'm always really intrigued by claims and surface switches, all of those kinds of things. As far as claiming does go, if somebody ever reclaims a horse, that's just like immediately that's where I'll land. Um, and we do see it, not frequently, but when it does pop up, it's something that I'm always intrigued by. But my my favorite handicapping angle is um, it's a horse with natural speed that's cutting back in distance uh, at Gulfstream Park. I, I like turnbacks anyway. I think that that provides a big foundation as far as fitness for the horse too and speed especially on this track at Gulfstream turf and dirt is so important.
1: Acacia you also host a podcast in the money media and how important it is I think for the horse racing community to be served by something like a podcast to make sure that if maybe some mainstream media doesn't give horse racing all the in-depth information that they should that you're there to provide it.
8: Oh, I do think it's a big piece of it. And in the money media is a specific company. They have actually an umbrella of several different podcasts. So my show is under that umbrella. It's called In the Ring with Acacia Clement, and um, it's focused mainly on the sales and pedigrees, breeding that side of the industry. That on a normal race day, especially on simulcast, you wouldn't cover too much. You know, you'd hear, oh, this was sold at the OBS two-year-old sale for a hundred thousand dollars, but you don't really know much more of what went into that, who bought the horse, maybe uh, who pinhooked the horse, the consigner, all of those different things. So those are some stories that I've really enjoyed diving into. And um, In the Money Media has a bunch of other different types of podcasts, whether it's for owners, for aftercare, um, betting strategies, one-on-one interviews. So it's really great to kind of have that all-encompassing um, opportunity to, like you said, tell some of the big stories stories in horse racing and uh, it's been something I've really really enjoyed
5: before we let you go Acacia it's a big uh, Carter racing at Gulfstream Florida Derby Day give us a a tip on another another race. Who catches your eye?
8: <laughs> another race. Okay. We're, All right. We're They're putting we're on you the on the spot. The spot. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. Well, I do have a bit of, of a price horse that I like. Let me find the race here. We love an opportunity to find uh, some prices. I always try to put out a long shot each day as well. Well, not much of a long shot, actually, but Traffic Song in Race 7, the Sands. He's actually seven to two on the morning line. I know that there could, there could be some other speed, but I really, really liked this horse. Two starts back at 18 to one and just missed that day. I won last time so impressively the key race. And um, he's one that I think is, or she, excuse me, is on the upswing for Jimmy Toner, a guy that you always root for. And I, I think that she's going to be a really intriguing one on the card of some of the other stakes action uh, beyond the Florida Derby.
1: Acacia, always an absolute pleasure to have you on. Enjoy the races. Enjoy all everything that spring and summer has to offer, and we can't wait to speak to you again someday.
8: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Not a problem. A pleasure. After the break, when we come back, Robert Reed Jr. will join us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard-bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario, with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com horse ownership today. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Welcome back to Pony's 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, the always popular friend of the show, Robert Reed Jr., joining us today and the editor of the Woodbine Mohawk Park Handicapping Journal, it's going to bring us up to speed on racing a Mohawk as we gradually make our way into the lucrative stake season at the Campbellville Oval. Robert, as always, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on again.
9: Oh, Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: It's it's getting busy. You know, Larry and I have talked about it. Now we're starting to really get into some big races. Are you noticing uh, the competition, the the energy around Mohawk starting to build up as we get to the teeth of spring and some of the bigger races?
9: Oh, it, it definitely does. You know, it, it's, it's it's always exciting this time of year because you know it, it's when we're it's kind of the calm before the storm, really, right? Like the the OSS program starts, you know, in, in late May, uh, and we when we start seeing a lot more uh, you know horses, you know, making their first lifetime starts, especially if they didn't uh, you know race in their two-year-old season, uh, making their first starts of three, and then of course the babies come out, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know towards the end of May and June. So it, it's uh, there's always a buzz in the air this time of year as we uh, get. Get ready, you know, for, for the bigger races and the uh, you know the the, the the real good horses making their way onto the racetrack.
5: Are you seeing a change in the qualifiers now that you're seeing a lot more new horses or younger horses?
9: It definitely, yeah, definitely. You notice a lot of new faces or ones we haven't seen in a while, and, and you know, really, I think it, it creates a higher degree of difficulty for the for the uh, handicappers and for the gamblers. Now, the one thing I will say much different world than from when I was a kid, you know, doing this, because back then you had to go to the qualifiers, you know, in person to see them uh, or, or certainly rely on the information you get, uh, you know, from those days. Now the great thing is we, we get access to all of them right on YouTube, right? You can watch the qualifiers and, and see, uh, you know, exactly how horses performed. And, and I'll always say this, and I've said it before, guys, you need to watch the qualifiers closely, especially in races where there's, you know, one or two or even more horses coming out of those morning preps.
1: You just alluded to it, Robert, that, you know, it's still a challenge for you, even with your expertise and knowledge and your depth of knowledge as a handicapper, it's still a challenge to do it and do it right. For the listeners listening, what what is the challenge going through a season that has to, you always have to be on top of it to stay sharp?
9: It's honestly, it's just trying to figure out what your uh, your best process is. You know, I'm a big believer in, in trying to stay consistent in what you do. And now sometimes, you know, there's definitely stretches where I'm off, right? Where I'll be off my game, and and then you have to maybe tinker with a few things. Um, you know, for me, it all starts with replays. You know, whether it be race replays or those qualifiers, but you need to get to know the horses that that you know race beyond you know Mohawk Park. You know, I do the uh, broadcast at Western Fair, and there's been and some horses are shipped in from that track or other tracks, you know, around the province that that do really well at Mohawk Park. So it's it's really. Um mastering you know for me time management to be perfectly honest hmm. because there's so much going on in so many races to watch uh you know going into a card uh but but really you know the program doesn't tell the whole story so i'll always be an advocate uh, of making sure when you're you know maybe not so clear an apple horse did in a race that you watch that replay or check out that qual- qualifier tape
5: so, does your handicapping change, Robert, from track to track? Like, obviously, you got a difference in track surface and in size, and that. Uh, say, if you're handicapping Western Fair one one night, which is a half mile, and then maybe Georgian, which is a five-eighths mile, another night, and then you got uh, by Mohawk Park, it's seven-eighths. Is there, you know, different angles that you use, or you know, for for the way that you uh, come up with your selections?
9: I would say, yeah, it does certainly vary by by surface and and by track size, and and in in those you know certain pockets too, you've got different connections, right? That that you know win at a at a high rate, that you know might perform better at uh, Western Fair than they do at Georgian Downs, and vice versa. It might be based on proximity even, but um, you know, for me. With the smaller the track size, I mean, this is going to sound very cliche, you obviously want to stay towards the inside of the gate. Very rarely when I make my selection for Western Fair will you see many fives, six, or sevens on top. If, if you do see one, it means I really like the horse. The other thing, too, is, is, uh, is speed, right? The, the shorter services favor early speed. That's just the way it's been forever. Um, but the, the key is making adjustments. And that doesn't that, that that goes for every track, including Mohawk Park, and that's track bias. I think track bias is often overlooked. I think some handicappers believe that it's it's a myth. Uh, but those who've been around the sport forever know the track bias is a huge part of it. And there'll be nights where you can't make up any ground on the leaders and you can, you know, catch some really nice tickets and get some nice prices on, on those horses that get to the front end. And then really making that adjustment the following week to know, Hey, wait a second that night speed won every race. Now I want to, I want to bet some horses that race from off the pace, especially if it's a fair track. So, you know, for me, handicapping, you know, typically will start with horses that I think will be forwardly placed because John Campbell once said, good things happen when you leave, but you need to be able to make those adjustments, especially if you get onto a track bias early.
1: Speaking with friend of the show, Robert Reed Jr., the editor of Wood by Mohawk Park's Handicapping Journal. And we often hear stories, Robert, about athletes who perform better, quite frankly, in colder weather. They can handle it more. Do we see the same thing in standard horses where the better the weather, the better they perform? <laughs>
9: yeah i mean speed obviously you know starts to to, to ratchet up the warmer we get right uh, better track conditions also you know lend itself to that the, the one thing is though is that you want to be careful of the horses that typically perform really well during the uh, you know the winter months i mean back when i you know had a stable of horses and, and you know owned quite a few of them i'd look for horses that race better in the winter months you know horses that might suffer from allergies or stuff like that and some horses that you know can, can and get the job done when the miles aren't going as quicker. So um, I usually try to identify those ones. Those ones might be horses I try to fade now going forward, but definitely the weather gets better, the the degree of difficulty goes up, and the and the miles get faster.
5: Well, before we put you to work, uh, Robert, uh, and get you to pick a couple of horses at uh, Woodby Mohawk Park tonight, let's talk a little bit about your uncle who just passed away, a horseman, and maybe some of our listeners uh, were not a- aware of his passing.
9: Yeah, so uh, my uncle John Sturgio just uh, just over a week ago now, uh, you know, passed away after a long. A uh, courageous battle uh, with with cancer, uh, just fifty seven years old, and was a was a great horseman. You know, and that's the one thing. And, and speaking to fellow horsemen, they'll they'll all say that you know he had a real sharp eye uh, for a racehorse, and and was a real uh, real good trainer. Also owned quite a few horses with myself. Uh, had a lot of success, a lot of fun in the sport. Uh, but you know, the one thing um, you know over the last week that everyone said about him was that uh, you know he had an incredible kindness. Um, and was always willing to help someone out. I certainly saw that throughout my life, uh, but it was great to hear that so many others had that same experience with him. So uh, you'll be sorely missed. uh, You know, a a great human being, uh, a larger-than-life character, and I know that, uh, you know, you'll be missed uh, in harness racing and beyond.
1: Well, we're sorry for your loss, Robert. When you look at the Saturday card at Mohawk, are there any horses that stand out that you really like?
9: Well, you know what? I think... um, you know, absence makes the heart go fonder because we've been off for a few days, right? There was no racing on Monday and no racing on Thursday. And now I look at this Saturday card and it's one of those ones my dad would say, maybe I should, maybe I should take the night off because I love too many horses on the (laughs) the card. I literally am in love with this card on Saturday night. And uh, my best bet is in race three, number four, last mock. And I think that Carmen Acciolo is going to have a big night. I really do. He's been, you know, having successes of late as he always does. But, uh, last mock is one. I love what he did last time. He, he went a big middle half on the engine tired late in the mile, but I like it when a horse does that. Now I think he's going to come back with an easier trip. He gets James McDonald aboard. We know how good he's been driving. Last mock is one that I think, uh, can get the job done on Saturday night in race three. And, um, you know, there's, there's some others I really like as well. You know, You've got to look to, um, you know, a horse like, um, you've got a horse uh, making his first start for Carmen and that is Tucker's out in race six, the one, this is a horse that's always kind of been on the cusp. He's been one that steps up in the game and races really well sometimes. Usually just grabs a share. I think that uh, his, his new uh, trainer can get him over the hump, get the job done with a victory. Third start on Lazix, third consecutive start on Lazix, and J-Mac aboard as well. So there's two for you from the Car-Nucci Yellow Barn, both with J-Mac aboard. I think they both might be, you know, decent enough prices, but those are the two that uh, I, I'd say I like the most on a card though where I think that uh, I'd say a, I'd be willing to bet most of my top choices to win, which is which is a rarity uh, for me. I'm not someone that bets a lot of win tickets, but I'd be willing to bet most of my top choices in to win on that night.
5: Well, I don't know if it means anything, uh, Robert, but we had uh, James McDonald on a couple of weeks ago, and that night he went out and won five races. Ah! So, oh, you know, uh-huh. so <laughs> maybe maybe you're onto something with this <laughs> J-Mac guy, but, uh, well, you know, yeah. and,
9: anyway... <laughs> well, he- He just seems to always have them in the right spot. So that's why, you know, even when the horse has been performing well or not so well, I will gravitate towards that horse the first time he jumps aboard because, you know, again, last mock, one that got used hard last time, I don't think we see that this time. I think we see him get an easier trip, and and with that, I think he gets the job done. So, yeah, J-Mac, an incredible year last year, of course, and, uh, you know, doing doing good things again
1: this season. Well, um,
5: we're we have... probably going to have to have him on every night now. Exactly. He's gonna... <laughs>
1: it's going to be in his contract. It's going
5: to be in his contract.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always love having a fellow wrestling nerd on Robert, always a pleasure. Enjoy the races, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right, thanks, guys. Talk soon. Have a good one. You too. Take care. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine Mohawk Park, the Meadowlands, and, of course, racing action, and a number of other North American tracks, so make sure that your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stick with us for Larry's always amazing Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. We'll be right back.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson.
1: Okay, then, before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and... Potential betting jams as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Larry, please take it away.
5: Thank you, Jim. Let's start at Gulfstream. Yes. As we've talked about, 14 race card today. And uh, as mentioned earlier, plethora of uh, stakes Ooh. races. Like that word? Plethora. Plethora. Yeah. Or plethora, if you wish. It could be a plethora. Yes, it could yeah, be. It could be. Okay. Race four is a maiden special weight for three year olds at a mile and 70 yards on the new Tapita surface at Gulfstream. Number eight, Hall of Dreams, is one of two in the race for Mark Cassie, friend of the show. Mm. And Hall of Dreams is actually a new addition to Mark Stable. Uh, he started twice last year at uh, Woodbine, had a third and a second, and the latter saw him beaten. Uh, to another one of Mark's horses, Golden Glider, who we saw recently in the Sam Davis Stakes at Tampa. Uh, this horse raced both his starts on the Woodbine Tapeta surface, which I think gives him an advantage today because they're on the Tapita surface at Gulfstream. Not all horses can get acclimatized, I guess you would say, to the Tapita, especially if they're coming off a dirt surface and that. So,
1: Plus, it is really warm in that part of Florida right it now. It
5: is, it is, and... Uh, this is uh, this horse's first start as a three-year-old. First for the Mark Cassie barn, he shows five well-spaced workouts uh, since uh, February 24th. But as I said earlier, the big advantage I think is he's had the uh, experience over at the Tepida surface. So uh, hmm. uh, let's go Gulfstream Park race four, number eight. Hall of Dreams.
1: I like your style. I like the cut of your jib, Larry. What's next? Cut of my jib.
5: <laughs> okay. Uh, Turfway Park has a 12-race card today, which includes uh, Kentucky Derby Prep, the Jeff Ruby Stakes, and as we had talked previously, the Bourbonette Oaks Ooh, yeah. uh, with uh, Mrs. Barbara. Uh, I'm looking at race four, though, which is uh, uh, one mile on their tapeta surface. Uh, it's a maiden special weight for three-year-olds, a purse of $62,000. It's, it's funny, you've almost got a similar profile with this horse as with the, the one at Gulfstream. The number three horse, Mighty C, uh, he raced twice last season for Kevin Attard uh, here in, at uh, Woodbine, uh, racing on both uh, on the Woodbine surface for both of it, uh, the Tapita surface for both his starts. And he did race decently in his last race at Woodbine, which was a uh, close fourth. And today makes his first start for his new trainer with blinkers on, First Lasix, and the horse has also been gelded since uh, he left Woodbine. Hmm. So uh, he also uh, shows five good works, including a bullet four furlong work on March 25th. And I think he should adjust nicely to the Turfway to Peta surface today. So uh, Turfway Park, race four, number three, Mighty C. And next... Well, the Meadowlands has a 13-race card tonight. Uh, Race 5 is a one-mile pace for a purse of $11,875. The number three horse, Mind Trip, had two good starts on March 12th and the 19th, where he shows a third-place finish and a close fourth beaten uh, half a length. Uh, The good form was derailed last week, courtesy of Post 7, which didn't allow for Mind Trip to get into the race at all early. Actually, he got away 8th in the 10-horse field, and uh, off of 56 and 1 half, he couldn't make any headway at all at the, at the second half of the race, and he finished 8th. So tonight, Mind Trip drops down in class significantly, which is a big uh, major point here. In fact, he hasn't been in this lower class for some time. So, uh, And, of course, Pose 3 should give his driver a few options, uh, leaving the gate in that. He's 7-2 to in the morning line. Hopefully, with the big drop down in class tonight, we'll still get post-time odds close to the 7-2. to two. So the Meadowlands Race 5, number 3, mind trip.
1: And finally?
5: Finally is Woodbine Mohawk Park. They have a 10, 11 race card, sorry, tonight. And Race 7 is a one-mile pace for a purse of $28,000. There's an old handicapping angle that is, it's better to take a horse that is in good form and moving up in class than one whose form may be on a bit of a decline but is dropping down in class. Oh. So the number one horse here, wind Blowing, fits the profile of a horse coming off a nice win at a class lower and moving up. Last week, wind Blowing had been actually off a month, but came out firing with a romping wind by four and a quarter lengths. Uh, wind blowin' draws the rail tonight, retains driver Jody Jamison, Jamison, I should say, and should be even tighter with that one last week's race under its belt. Uh, He faces a couple of horses with some questionable form. I think they're dropping down from the preferred ranks. But I'm going to go with the hot horse. That's the one that's on the improve. That, that's wind blowing Woodbine Mohawk Park, race seven, number one.
1: I like it. A special shout out to our friend Mark of the Fans of Horse Racing. As always, thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. As always, a reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the an issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. Don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign don't horse around with lymphoma. For more information on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash ponies. As even though the silent auction is over, you can still donate to a great cause. Stick around with 1059 of the Region all weekend long. 1059 of the Region, great weekend of programming, including up next, York Region's only magazine show, The Feed, with the legend Ann Romer. I'll be back here Monday morning. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the races. Bet wisely. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.
0: Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.